This is AgriPulse Drive Time brought to you by Farm Journal's Trust in Food Initiative and the America's Conservation Ag Movement, launching July 26th on the National Mall. Learn more at trustinfood.com. Good Friday afternoon. I'm Spencer Chase. USDA's decision to allow earlier haying and grazing on cover crops planted on prevented planting acres is a one-time deal, but the department will study the value of making the change again. That's the word of Martin Barbary, the administrator of USDA's Risk Management Agency. He says for right now, moving the haying and grazing dates up to the beginning of September is only for this year. We had a lot of inquiries from the Hill, a lot of inquiries from a lot of associations, and a lot of individual inquiries. Is there something you can do? So we looked at it, we, we threw around different dates, and the Secretary decided that September 1st was the date we are going to use, and so for, ni- for 2019 only, you know, it's not a change in the policy, it's just a change in, in the policy we're doing this year that producers can not only hay and graze those cover crops after September 1st, but they can also chop them for haylage, baylage, and silage as well. So that's just, we're opening up the door for producers to have a lot of, of options of, of gathering forage. He says there's no change in future years, but that will be considered. Anytime we make a change, uh, the, ne- the first thing that happens the next year is, well, you did it last year, can you do it again? Uh, we're look- we're going to look at the value of what would go into play to maybe making a, a somewhat permanent change. I don't know that we will do that. I'm not going to make any promises that we'll do that. I promise we'll look at it. Right now, this the urgency of the situation right now is really what drove this decision to this point. And if producers have questions... First the thing they can do, the second thing they can do, and the third thing they can do is talk to their agent. The previous hanging and grazing date was set for November 1st. A lengthy House markup session addressed a possible biodiesel tax credit extension. AgriPulse's Ben Nully has more. On a party-line vote 25-17 to 17 Thursday night, the House Ways and Means Committee approved an extenders package which includes the biodiesel tax credit. Ron Heck is secretary of the National Biodiesel Board's Governing Board, he says the credit helps grow demand for soy oil and other products going into biodiesel. The biodiesel producers are great people, but they have to have an incentive to uh, stay in the business. They, they're processors in the middle, and they have to have a margin to work with. That tax credit provides the funding in the market, provides the liquidity to attract investment so we can grow the industry. Heck grows soybeans in Iowa. He says biodiesel is critical for soybean markets. Having a a local valuable use for soybean oil is worth about 63 cents a bushel. The price of soybeans, since we've been cut off with trade issues, this is even more vitally important than usual. Environmental groups were disappointed the biodiesel tax credit moved forward again. Mighty Earth Campaign Director Rose Gar said, quote, food-based biofuels are simply not a serious way to respond to the climate crisis, and the longer Congress pretends otherwise, the worse shape will be in, end quote. The House action on the tax extenders is promising for biodiesel producers, but the bill also includes a provision reducing estate tax exemptions in 2023. That is three years earlier than the 2017 tax bill. The change would be a non-starter for Senate Republicans. For AgriPulse, I'm Ben Nully. The Mississippi River is one step closer to being fully open for business. The U.S. Coast Guard is allowing barge traffic to travel north out of St. Louis beginning today, but stalled traffic in St. Louis means the movement upriver will be slow, and southbound traffic isn't authorized just yet. The river has not been fully navigable in about seven months due to winter closures and springtime flooding. Finally today, the Supreme Court has handed a victory to property rights advocates with a 5-4 party line ruling. The panel's conservative justices ruled that cases over property rights issues with local or state governments can be taken directly to federal court. 
The case began with a series of grave markers on some Pennsylvania farmland. The local municipality required all cemeteries be open to the public, so landowner Rosemary Knick took her local township to court, where a federal judge ruled she had to challenge the case in a state court first. Her attorneys argue state courts are more susceptible to local politics, so the federal court should have been able to take the case. The Supreme Court ultimately agreed, but not without dissent from liberal justices. In her opinion, Justice Elena Kagan wrote that the ruling smashes a hundred plus years of legal rulings to smithereens. Now, here's a word from our sponsor. Join Farm Journal's Trust in Food this July 26th on the National Mall for the launch of America's conservation ag movement. Learn how we're helping farmers and ranchers make more sustainable and profitable business decisions. Sign up at trustinfood.com. That's all for today's Drive Time. For more agriculture, trade, environment, and regulatory news, visit agripulse.com. Reporting in Washington, I'm Spencer Chase.